Take the guesswork out of your cannabis shopping with the ECS DNA kit by Endocana Health. If you take pride in your canna nerdiness or are just canna curious, this kit empowers you to find more about the best cannabis choices. Right now, you can save 25% off your DNA test at endodna.com using promo code POD25. Your purchase includes the Endo DNA Collection Kit, Endo Decoded Report, personalized cannabinoid and terpene suggestions, and Endo Align products matching in your state. There will also be suggested dosage guidelines and optimum methods for inhalation or usage. Once you know your personal ECS data, you can shop Endo supplements tailored specifically for you. And right now, Endo DNA is celebrating their new patent with a buy one, get one offer on their Afika soft gel lineup. And since I know that many of you struggle with sleep, I want to highlight Afika Unwind, created to support health sleep cycles using patented proprietary formulations of hemp-derived CBD, terpenes, and essential oils. If sleep is eluding you, sweet dreams are in your future. Buy one for yourself and get one for a friend at endodna.com. And don't forget promo code POD25 at the checkout for 25% off your DNA test kit. This is The Cannamom Show, a podcast chronicling the inspiring stories of real women in the emerging cannabis industry. Your host, Joyce Gerber, mom, lawyer, political activist, has been speaking with women from coast to coast who are leaders in the revolution of cannabis and caregiving. Now, in season two, The Cannamom Show continues on its mission to empower women-centric cannabis businesses by sharing their stories with you. Go make yourself a cup of tea or roll yourself a joint, sit back, and learn something new about this magical plant on The Cannamom Show with Joyce Gerber. From the Tip O'Neill Studios in North Cambridge, Massachusetts, it's The Cannamom Show. Now here's your host, Joyce Gerber. Welcome back. All right. This is so um, spring-like. We're getting to the end of season two. I know it's hard to believe that wow. this is, I know this is like normal. <laughs> like I was thinking this today. I used to get so nervous when I had to do these and this is now just like, it's just a thing. It's like brushing Another my day hair. at the office. Yeah. Another day in my daughter's bedroom talking about cannabis. <laughs> um, <laughs> so when this airs, the quilt You'll see the amazing Techno Cannabis Quilt is no longer behind me because by the time this show airs, some person out there in the universe of the podcast listeners will have won it and will be so happy because it'll be their little magical cannabis quilt. That's right. I can already hear. It's almost as if I could hear Joseph. I look handsome. I look smart. I am a Donnie Osmond always makes me smile as Joe. All right. So we've been talking about this quilt. I didn't know what I was going to do for it most of season two, but we now have it a plan. It is out there. It is being a giveaway. My clubhouse picture, you know, I love clubhouse. My mm-hmm. clubhouse picture is now the quilt and someone out there will have it. So thank you. Whoever you are, thank you for supporting the Cannamom show. There will also be a winner of the Arden decarboxylate. So thank you, Arden. And of course, my Jane, who's giving us the romance box. So all the women supporting each other in the cannabis industry. And it always bears repeating, I think, that how intricate this quilt is that you have created. It contains images of how many of your 
prior guests? There will have been 100 images on the quilt. They are guests and they are interns also. I always, I don't forget to say that. My interns, I've had many young women who have been helping me keep the show going. Um, of course, Amy, our original co-host, is on there. So, you know, everyone is supported to make, you know, no one does anything alone. How we all got here is on the quilt. Since I'm a man, my image is on the dish rag that Joyce keeps in the kitchen. <laughs> Although the funny part is I did not put you on there. I will admit that. But I did put Marcus <laughs> on there. There is one man on there because he told me stories about his mom and his aunt. So um, okay. Marcus I'll... Johnson Smith, you're the only man on the Women of Cannabis Quilt if you are listening today. Wow. Answer to a <laughs> trivia question right there. All right, uh, let's keep going. All right, so just like I said, a few more shows. Um, We have some amazing guests lined up for season three starting in September. We are going to be talking about psychedelics because that's the new thing with my friend Zoe Helene and the Cosmic Sister. And I know Cosmic Sister and Cannabis, they're all getting together. So season three is going to be a whole new Technicolor. Okay, and I'm not going away because, you know, I love Clubhouse. So even though there will be no more live, no more original podcasts, we'll keep re-releasing. We're going to be doing Clubhouse Rooms um, over the summer with my friend Dory Weil, the half-baked housewife from Texas, and my friend Amy Chin from New York. She is a CBD wellness advisor. We're going to be three Canamoms illuminating the way. And so if people need to download the app for Clubhouse, which I believe is on Android and iPhone now. Yes, it's it's so opening now. We're so connected. Android, look, if we can get together, maybe Americans can get together. Android and (laughs) Apple, we're on Clubhouse together. So, And you would just search for Canamoms and you would find... Your, Honestly, I or, think you'd have to follow me and then I'd be my, okay. again, there's a, this is a whole new social media that I'm learning it. Me too. But we're all learning uh, it together. So yeah. I am, if you join Clubhouse, follow Joyce Gerber at the Canna Mom Show, or you can follow Dory Weil at Half-Baked Housewives or Amy Chin, who I think is actually at Amy Chin. We are going to be hosting our room in the mom link. I hope we put an application in the mom link club. We want to go to moms. We're not going to be in the cannabis rooms we're going out to moms and women and spreading the word that's why we're illuminating and that's our plan to hopefully do one a week over the summer every week we'll see how that goes and then we'll be back in this fall with psychedelics but we still have more shows and we actually have this show to do (laughs) we do (laughs) i know all right and then one more shout out so i just want to talk about another book i love these children's books pickles mom smokes pot (laughs) <laughs> Emma Mitchell, <laughs> Emma Mitchell, it's for five plus, um, just another way to introduce and normalize cannabis into the world of children through moms. So thank you. Well, wait, why is it pickles moms? Oh, pickles mom. So the kid pickles, is named yeah, pickle. Pic- no, I think pickles might. Yeah. Pickles might be the child or pickles. Might, I don't, I didn't actually read the book. I'm sorry, but I was, I gave a shout out the cute little cover. It's a panda bear. And the title is Pickles Mom Smokes Pot. <laughs> yeah, it's there's no apostrophe in pickles, so I don't know. It's, it's a mystery there. I don't. You have to read the book to figure out who pickles is. I guess. <laughs> maybe that was intentional. Yeah, maybe. For you grammar, grammar freaks, they didn't expect the lawyers to be <laughs> analyzing the title. <laughs> right, right, right. What What does that mean, Your Honor? Could this be <laughs> right. dismissed? Right. Exactly. All right. Sorry, we get we always get off on the lawyer thing. All right. Today's guest is one of the co-founders of Plant Media Project because she is a passionate entrepreneur dedicated to crushing the cannabis stigma. She met her partner when they were publishers of a cannabis lifestyle publication and then used their shared vision to found a boutique media company specializing in plant medicine, marketing, education, and advocacy. Today's guest is a marketing veteran, which benefits her clients in this heavily regulated marketing landscape for cannabis and plant medicine. 
She and her partner are focused, like so many women in cannabis, on education, which is why Plant Medicine Project provides weekly content on The Vine, a plant media project podcast, and on their blog, The Vine Blog, and produces virtual and in-person events for their community. Please welcome to the Cannamom Show, Gina Vincel of the Plant Media Project. Welcome. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. So I know we were supposed to uh, get together with your, your co-founder, Elizabeth Sheldon, and I know you're from different states. That was sort of how I was going to start this because you're in Pennsylvania and she's in Bethesda, Maryland. Maryland. Yep. She's All in right. Yeah, but she being a mom herself, you know, she her son is graduating from the Naval Academy this week. So she was unable to make it. But you know, as us moms, we have to juggle a lot with running businesses and still keeping in tune with the family. So it's just me today. But she can do it. And we're we're so proud of her. We're sending out congratulations. We're so proud of you. My son just graduated from college. So I know that feeling. We've kept them alive. Good job, mom. All right. So you are from different states. You came into this. I don't know. Your can of passions came together. So how did this work? How did you come to it in, in Pittsburgh? Is that where you are? Yeah. So yeah, I'm in, I'm based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and I was really interested in getting Pennsylvania a medical program. I mean, we were really, you know, suffering for a long time with not being a part of of cannabis at all. And now we've had a medical program for three years. So right as that program was getting started, I was trying to figure out how I could utilize my skills as a marketing person in this industry. And how could I do so while also ending the stigma? So I joined a a cannabis lifestyle publication where I was going to start a very hyper local magazine for Pittsburgh. So I was reaching out to Pittsburgh businesses, both in cannabis and not because we didn't have a big enough cannabis industry for me to reach out to enough advertisers to launch the publication with cannabis businesses alone. I have to, I had to go into all sorts of non-traditional businesses, you know, just regular and say, how do you feel about cannabis? And would you put your company in a publication that's about educating in the stigma around cannabis? So I did get there. When would you actually start? This would have been 2019 in November of 2019. um, The publication launched. I was able to throw um, a massive um, launch party in Pittsburgh. We had 900 people come out in the middle of November for this event. The way it works in PA is that our Pennsylvania Department of Health runs our medical cannabis program. And so any members of the cannabis, so whether you're a manufacturer, grower, dispensary, you have to get not only your advertisements approved by the Department of Health, but you also have to get any events that you're involved in. So I had to make sure that anything that I was going to produce in my community was always based and rooted in education, even right. if it was going to be fun. And so I met Elizabeth while do, go, while we were trying to launch magazines in our respective states. And we quickly realized how many different rules there were. I mean, with Maryland and Pennsylvania being so close together yet there were just so many varying rules that we had to deal with so we got really interested in that and then when the pandemic happened and our magazine stopped publishing we kind of turned to each other and realized that you know not only did we get along really well and seem to have similar business ethics but we also realized that you know that the world was going through this collective trauma of the pandemic and we thought that you know maybe there's more that we should discuss in terms of alternative care beyond just cannabis alone. And so we started expanding into psychedelics and other plant medicines. And now, you know, focus our company on educating not only around medical cannabis, but other plant medicines as well. Because that, it's like my psychedelics. Yeah. So this is the thing. It's opening the conversation. I always say, I really am who I am. I'm an entitled white lady who wears pearls and plays tennis. And this is not something I would normally be talking about, but I came into this world 
And I recognize it's health and wellness. And this is women need to hear it from each other. And this is what you're doing. So you've expanded beyond your local communities to make this how big or? Well, we've actually had international clients on our podcast. You know, we're definitely focusing on, you know, more of a national landscape, but being that we still want to be tied to our local communities, we're still definitely working in our respective states and communities about being that we both live in medical cannabis states. We're still lobbying and fighting for, you know, legalization in our respective states and then also nationwide. So, I mean, just so people don't always know this. So can you just give the lowdown of how it, you have to do both, you have to do both states. Like you can do what's in both of your states. Maybe that's a good compare and contrast because I talk about Massachusetts all the time because it's completely legal here. And the idea that everything is so specialized is a continual theme of this podcast. And you need to work with a specialist because there are so many specializations in each state. So this is just two. Yes. Yeah, so in, in Maryland, where Elizabeth's from, you know, it's a medical state, but she's very close to D.C. I mean, Bethesda, where she lives, is, you know, very close drive to there. And so it's been really interesting to see, you know, with D.C. not only legalizing adult use cannabis, but also decriminalized psilocybin just in this past election as well. It's so very different than where Maryland stands. So Maryland, you know, they had a bill that looked like it could have gotten passed for adult use legalization that did not pass this first of this session, but it looks like it may in next session. And then in Pennsylvania, three years into our medical program, doing really great, but really have not been able to get conservatives to be in support of any kind of legalization bill. We've not been able to really every single bill that's gotten um, pushed forward has gotten no support from the GOP. So we're very excited to say in Pennsylvania, we have our first bipartisan co-authored legalization bill right now. So we're really excited to see a Republican step up and be the very first one in our state to say, you know, this is something that we should really consider. But it is. I, I always say this. I like politics, pot politics and religion, you know, bring them all on. But the idea that this is a health and wellness and Republicans get sick, just like Democrats get sick, just like independents get sick, just like atheists get sick. And this is a health and wellness. And Everybody can see this. Like, and that is why the women speak up, I believe, because they're healing themselves. And you can see it in church groups. You can see it in black communities. You can see the pastors. They're like, again, this is like the Venn diagram of politics, cannabis in the middle. <laughs> And that's what we really have to try to get, you know, the politicians to believe, because in many cases, when we've spoke with different politicians, they say, you know, if there's a list of 100 things that we need to take care of post pandemic, you know, cannabis is number 101. And so how do we move it up in in the list of of important make you make it personal? It's politics is local. Like my friend Tip says, he says, you know, this is a personal thing. So what are you doing in terms of advocacy? Because I like talking about this. Who's whispering the idea? Who's whispering the ears of the politicians where you are? What are you telling them? Is big business coming in yet? Because that's sort of the big issue in other states. Yes. Yeah, certainly, you know, we're a state that is definitely getting ruled by multiple state (laughs) operators, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing, as long as the legalization bill includes the ability for some social equity license, which would allow smaller mom and pop type shops and growers Mm -hmm. um, to grow it to come in. I mean, in PA, we're huge for our craft beer. And so when I talk with people that are outside of cannabis, I like to explain it to them instead of just a bunch of, you know, Miller Lights and Bud Lights, you know, you love these craft beers, you know, think about cannabis in the same way. We absolutely are going to still want our multiple state operators. You know, they've been doing this right. They've been doing this well across different states, but you know, the local farmers in Pennsylvania deserve a shot too. And so how can, you know, people that, you know, may not have millions of dollars to get a license, will they have the access and the ability to do so once these laws pass? So it's been, you know, in in Pittsburgh, you know, we have a a Pittsburgh normal chapter. We have a psychedelic club of Pittsburgh. We're actually just started. I'm one of the co-founders for decrimpgh.com. 
Mm-hmm. which is our decriminalization movement. We're trying to follow in the footsteps of decrim nature across the nation to raise awareness about, you know, decriminalizing entheogens. So right now we're really trying to collect people in the community that'll be willing to speak out on these topics. Mm-hmm. Um, and really, you know, the normal chapters have done a great job in raising awareness, but oftentimes still polarize people because a lot of people that don't see cannabis the way that normal does, you know, I went to Harrisburg on April 20th for the big legalization, you know, march and rally and Leafly did a big press conference there. And, you know, as much as I, you know, I want, I'd love to wave that, you know, flag that it's a weed flag essentially of what it is, but like, I just don't personally feel that that's going to be the way to get the attention of the conservatives. You know, I feel that we need to be speaking with Republicans in a way that they can really truly grasp onto this. Yes. Health and wellness, but we also need to talk about the fact that cannabis was deemed essential during the pandemic and it was right up there with pharmacies. And so if this is, you know, a a medicine for over 200,000 patients in Pennsylvania, we have to really reconsider how this can be used and helpful to other because our program is very, very, very expensive. It's expensive to get your medical card. It's expensive to buy the product. Okay, so let's kind of back up on that. Yeah. So this, I live in Massachusetts and I always tell my friends, it is so easy. It is not frightening. I know the nurses, you know, it, it, people get nervous. They get to the parking. Well, you don't go to the parking lot anymore. But when they used to go to the parking lot, they would get out of the car, walk around a few times because they're so afraid. And in Massachusetts, it is really simple. So, and what they do in Massachusetts now, even though there's a fee, the dispensaries, the medical dispensaries will often give you discounts up to that like fee. So that's been kind of working here. That's one of those things. So what are they doing with the medical in Pennsylvania? So in Pennsylvania, you have to have one of the qualifying medical conditions and we're, you know, we have, you know, anxiety listed, you know, opioid abuse disorder is listed. So, I mean, we have, you know, we have some medical conditions that, you know, are definitely varying. However, in you, if you were not qualified, if you did not have one of those medical conditions, you'd have to see a physician, you'd have to be diagnosed with one of those medical conditions. Then you have to apply for your card with that recommendation from a doctor. So typically that recommendation could cost, I mean, I've heard of patients paying up to $200 for that recommendation. Then it's a $50 annual fee to the state that you well, have that, to that, that is how that works. That is like how it works here. But I will say the dispensaries, if they have figured out that, you know, if you're going to pay the 200, they're going to give you 200 back and you'll go to that dispensary and then you'll start your relationship with them. So that's great. Yeah, no, that's really great. I mean, honestly, we, to get even your research, it's over a hundred dollars. And then when you go to the dispensary, you know, you're spending anywhere between 50 and $70 for a card or a grant or an eighth. So, and in Pennsylvania, you can't smell or touch your flower or anything beforehand too. So you're really going up and just hoping that you've done some research ahead of time about your, you know, terpenes and cannabinoid profile that you're looking for and you have to go in and just hope for the best and ask your patient care consultant and get it i think that's how it is almost everywhere so we have obviously we have dispensaries that are medical and adult use here you know and you used to be able to go in and see things the pandemic has changed all of it but it's it's that kind of same issue it's i think it's personal use which is kind of what frustrates me when we talk about it but i know these are two different programs so you're at a point in pennsylvania where you're setting up this medical program it's still a bit expensive well, how far away are you from recreational, do you think, or adult use? Well, I mean, if, we're, if we get lucky and if we can get the support with this bipartisan bill, then if that would pass, I mean, it was, it took 
almost two full years for when the medical passed before there was actual medical cannabis on the shelves. So I would have to say, even if this does pass, it's probably going to be, you know, a year, two years before we would see it. But everyone around us is passing the bill. So I mean, all of our neighbors. So it's like, are we going to be the last ones left standing? It's so interesting. I mean, I do, I mean, I do joke about it, but I do think this is a Republican Democrat. This is like one of those things in politics that you can actually bring people together. And I really do look like this. And I do really, you know, talk about municipal law. I like the fact that it's local law. I like the idea that I could go before a board and explain it in a way that feels very grown up. And I love that that is literally what you're doing because I'm still not meeting that many people. There are many people in the industry who are very passionate women who have you know, healed themselves. They have a product or, or they're educating, but this political part, this talking to people about what this really is, I can't even express it enough. It is so important. The reason we're here, I mean, I'm a lawyer. Dave's a lawyer. We created bad laws because they had bad ideas, they had bad facts and they created bad laws. And then the people who are required to enforce it did it in a really bad way. And now this is where we are. So <laughs> we need better laws and we need better information informing those laws. And that is literally what you're doing. And so is that what Elizabeth is doing in Maryland as well? Yeah. And then oh. we want to fight nationwide too, because we feel that, you know, we keep, we're going to keep going state to state, but what does that mean for us? You, you know, if we're trying to travel with our medicine and we cross state lines somewhere, you know, we've heard about patients, you know, just driving cross country, going to visit a family member, getting pulled over, having their medical card on them, having their medicine and yet still being thrown in jail because of that state having a different law. So really thinking about this on a federal level and with Elizabeth being, you know, she's pretty much worked inside the Beltway most of her professional life and knows a lot of lobbyists and knows a lot of people in D.C. You know, we're really trying to think locally, but then we're also trying to think nationwide because we we know that we need to get our country on the right side of history. So that's that's what people understand the gravitas of her. Can you just give her a background since she's not here to talk about where, you know, where she came from and why this is such a political, why you're so powerful in the political world at this level? And I just love this conversation. And I do joke at the pot politics and religion, but I don't know. I, there's no other way to change stuff. And if women us don't step up and do it, it's just going to be the same old rules. So absolutely. And Elizabeth worked within, she was in the magazine world. I mean, she worked right inside the DMV for most of her professional life, working for all sorts of different magazines, political magazines as a publisher. So she's out there raising money, selling ads, you know, working on all of this. You know, she talks about how she really you know, she utilized cannabis in college, but then, you know, she became a business professional and a mom and she pretty much stepped away from that. And, you know, like you said, you know, pearls and suits, you know, that was pretty much Elizabeth, you know, on Capitol Hill for many, many years. And she said that just as she, you know, started to see the changing landscape around this, that she really felt that this was the future and that this was how, where she wanted to be. And if she could take the knowledge and understanding that she had from, her professional life, and then carry that over in a way into this newer industry, you know, it sets us up where, you know, we're doing what we've always known that we can do. That's been a part of our professional career, but we're using that voice to really educate and push forward some ideas because essentially just like you, Joyce, we're just two moms, you know, we're, you know, we're pretty, you know, otherwise normal or whatever. And so for Elizabeth, you know, and Bethesda to, you know, go to her social clubs or be hanging out with friends, you know, and, and she'll be the first to tell you, you know, we have two decades apart, you know, and so she, you know, she's also going to say, when I'm around my peers, this wasn't a conversation that was always, you know, looked at with any kind of favorable at first, you know, and now as things are starting to change, and also when people know that we're so vocal about it, it makes friends, family members, friends of family members comfortable to come to us if they don't know where else to go. So we get calls from everyone about everything from, you know, I'm getting a new job. What do you think they're going to test me to? I'm 
you know, I have cancer. Do you know where I can go to, to get my car? I mean, everything. And so we've just really put ourselves out there as come to us. You know, we may not be the experts ourselves, but we're surrounding ourselves with a lot of experts and a lot of people that are trustworthy so that if you have those questions, we can be that connector and get you the answers that you need. All right. You like, you like, all right. I, this makes me feel good. I have to look at, you know, I'm sitting literally in my daughter's bedroom doing this podcast. So it feels a little lonely sometimes, you know, I got Dave, but what am I chop liver? But I talk, I say about this all the time. All I do is talk. I talk about this, talk about this, talk about this. This has to be a women's industry. We have to influence them. I believe I'm part of a new generation. I mean, I really, we're like invisible, my generation. No one even knows we exist, but we did everything we're supposed to do, women my age. We, and we still look good. And, and now <laughs> we have power. Like you can't take it back. We have our law degrees, our marketing degrees, our management degrees. We have our, we know how to do everything. We have our own money. We have our own power. We have political power and you can't put us back in the bottle. We exist. And if this is the issue we're taking on, I feel so hopeful. I feel hopeful too. <laughs> I do. And because it comes from a place of care. I mean, you know, we, we understand that you know, our vitality and our wellness is what matters most. And if, and, you know, we want to care for ourselves, for our families, for our children, you know, we want to figure out the best way to be healthy. And that's going to look different for everyone. And we certainly don't think that cannabis is the answer to everything. But we know that, you know, with many of the people that we've talked to, if we can just help them consider it, by breaking down some of those barriers of the stigmas that they have, that they may find that this is an alternative method that could help them with their healing. It can be part of the options. That's what I keep saying. It has to stop being the the last resort because these are the stories I tell over and over and over again. Our people are so sick and they're in so much pain and they're done so many medications and they use this as a last resort. And it shouldn't be the last resort. And like you said, it's not everything, but it should be part of the package. So that's the message we're sharing is that it can, it is, don't be ashamed. It shouldn't be something that's frightening. Look at us. <laughs> we're doing this, but you're stepping into the next, are you doing psychedelics? Like, this is the thing that I'm like, can you explain to a woman like me what this is? It makes me nervous, but I'm talking more and talking more. So where are you in this? Yeah. So because the word itself, psychedelics is scary. I feel like, you know, we talk about the changing language around cannabis and how, when you call it marijuana, it's rooted in racism, or if you call it weed, it doesn't really carry the weight of what it means. And in many cases, the language surrounding psychedelics is the same, you know, the, the, the word itself, you know, comes, you know, with all of these thoughts of, you know, hippies dropping LSD in a recreational way or abusing drugs. And that's not what this movement around psychedelics is about at all. And so that's why we've been trying to be careful with the language. That's why we talk about plant medicine. That's why we talk about entheogens um, because the language will help if someone doesn't know what an entheogen means, like, okay, well, what does it mean? Well, when you look it up and it means it's like helping you, like literally it's a plant that's getting you closer to God. It's giving you a higher consciousness. So with that, okay, we learned something just like when someone says they don't know what the word cannabis is. Well, when you realize what cannabis is and that it's a part, you know, you can use it in a way to educate others. So definitely the word entheogen or plant medicine is a softer way for us to bring up this conversation with people. But essentially, you know, psychedelic is a compound that, you know, can be in plant form or in a chemical base, but that has been getting significant um, research done on it now, you know, back in the, the late 60s and 70s, 70s, it was, you know, it, it was when it became outlawed, all of the, all of the studies stopped for it. And so now we're in a different place. You know, the studies have started back up and w- through these studies, they're finding that 
when other traditional medical remedies have not worked, when you've, when they've truly tried everything, we're talking about severe PTSD and depression and debilitating anxiety and things that all of these traditional medicines and talk therapies and everything have not done, that we have seen that psilocybin and ketamine treatments and MDMA treatments and various things like this have made a massive difference. And these, they're being backed by science. So we're not talking about anything about, you know, some anecdotal, hey, this worked for a friend. With the psychedelic space, everything is rooted in science. And so it changes a lot of the conversations because we can say, Oh, you know, MAPS is in their third phase of these clinical trials for MDMA and PTSD. It was on the front page of the New York Times. We yes. talked about it a few weeks ago. I yes. Just, so yeah, it's, it's so exciting because it's yeah. like right out there. And, you know, the Johns Hopkins is, is talking about, you know, one of their studies that they had done was showing that that psilocybin had four times more effectiveness for treating depression than traditional SSRIs. So, again, this may not be right for everyone, but giving people hope mm-hmm. that there are some alternative methods and therapies that can assist people, just that little bit of hope. You know, when people can look into these things, they may be available right now to you if you can get yourself into one of these clinical trials. So I definitely feel that this is an extension of the cannabis conversation because it says that cannabis can be considered as some, many people consider cannabis a psychedelic. So when you think about it from a larger perspective, that's what we did at Plant Media Project. We realized we're not done with cannabis yet. We still have a lot of fighting to do to get this plant, you know, legalized across the nation. But when we really talk about other folks that have been using cannabis, but still are suffering from various other ailments, you know, can these, you know, entheogens and plant medicines provide them with the care that they would need? And so, we really feel that it can for many, in many. So, that, so let's, let's go back. Let's go to what you're actually, I haven't gotten to what you're doing. So yeah. <laughs> you're not just chit chatting about me. <laughs> and I actually I want to just bring up the other sort of like perspective people have. So Elizabeth's son just graduated. Where did he graduate from today? So he graduated from the Naval Academy. Yes. So, So, I mean, and it's just amazing to think, you know, that in where he's at right now, we'll see what happens in like the next like couple decades. But if you're in the military, you can't even use CBD oils. Like everything touching the plant is, you know, so even leading up to it, like if you need it while you're in it, you can't use it. And then once you become a veteran, if you have any, if you're suffering from any PTSD, if you're having any mental health problems, if you would go to the VA, you can't get medical cannabis through the VA, you know, so you're using your own money out of pocket to pay for your medical cannabis. Well, when we talk about psychedelics, what could be really interesting is that if psilocybin, for example, gets, even if it's synthesized and put in a pill, there's a chance that veterans could have access to something wow. like psilocybin before they, through the VA, before they even could with cannabis, which is why we have, we're starting to talk about these entheogens and plant medicines now, because it's moving at such a rapid pace. And we have to thank Rick Doblin, my friend yes. Rick Doblin for all of this, who is married to my cousin's wife. Yeah, He was at our house. I tell the story a lot. So he was <laughs> at Harvard and he was talking about cannabis back then. I was a teenager and he was having Passover with us, I think. I can't remember which meal. And he was having a fight with my father about cannabis, marijuana. And they just, I'm like, who is this crazy person they've invited to my house? <laughs> and now look at him. So I'm proud of him. All right. So we have more to talk about, but we're running up in time. So I have to give a little shout out. So we'll be back in a quick second with our friend Gina Bensell. We're going to be talking more plant medicine media, what they're doing, what she's you know advocating for. I love her political things. But first, let's talk about manifest. Manifest, don't stress. It's such a great motto, and I found it front and center on the Ivy Bliss website. A hemp 
wellness lifestyle brand founded right here in Massachusetts by Sandy Bernier, medical cannabis patient, hemp advocate, and friend of the show. Ari Bliss products can be found in her two adorable shops, one in Rockland and the other in Weymouth, where you can pick up some of the best CBD products in Massachusetts. And if you can't make it to the South Shore, no worries. You can find links to her products on the Cannamom Show shop, and she will ship them right to you. And you know how I always say, never buy your CBD at the gas station, because you should really know who is growing your hemp. Well, Sandy does. The hemp for her tinctures, gummies, salves, and pet treats is grown, extracted, and crafted all within a three-hour radius of their headquarters in Rockland, Mass. She visits the farms and vets every brand she sells at her shops. Ivy Bliss is working to illuminate the ways in which hemp can enhance our quality of life and health of the planet. They are deeply devoted to providing high-quality products that are effective, affordable, and sustainable. And from personal experience, I know they have the best customer service. And just like us, Sandy and her team are on a mission to end the stigma associated with cannabis for moms and caregivers. Sandy uses her profits to support cannabis patients with resources and education through her nonprofit, Green Network Providers, where you can speak to a nurse practitioner and get an affordable medical card. If that were not enough, Sandy also has a party bus and is available for COVID-safe home shopping experience. And as a special gift, she a special gift. She's offering my listeners free shipping on all orders through the end of August. Just use the promo code CANAMOM at the checkout. So go to her site right now. That's Irie Bliss. That is I-R-I-E-B-L-I-S-S.com. Visit her shops in Rockland or Weymouth or book an appointment to speak with the nurse who can guide you on your path to better healing through hemp and CBD. All right, we are back. Oh, but this is my special segment. So before we get back to today's guest, so I'm a middle-aged woman who does smoke cannabis and the grinders are too hard for my hands. So I discovered the Mamba grinder a little bit back, I think around Christmas, but I've become a little obsessed. I keep reaching out to them. I don't know. I really do want you to sponsor my show, but I want to talk about the different versions I got just so you're out there to get them. So I showed this on a, I was on a mom Zoom cannabis event on Sunday and there were showing all their like bongs and pretty things they were smoking out of. And I held this up. They thought it was a vibrator, but <laughs> it is not as a grinder. So this is a small and everyone can contribute. This is just a talk. So this is like a small, the smallest one, the first one I got, it's black. It's great. It's battery operated. And you put your cannabis in the chamber, which I can't open. I know you can't see because it's a podcast and it's got a lot of grinding mechanisms in this one. This is the black one. It's very small. I actually gave this to my husband. Then I realized I had a pink one, you know, so I couldn't resist. So I actually bought a bunch because I got one for my intern. I got one for my daughter. I got one for everybody because they're so cute. <laughs> Wait, the for the uninitiated, where does the, hold that up again, please, Joyce. I'll narrate for the. Uh, All right, the you know, you're better at this. So it but, looks a bit like a, a uh, hairdryer, actually. Yeah, it looks like a mini hairdryer. And, but instead of the place where the air comes out, that's a grinding device there or. Yes, yes. It's got, okay. So, 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 you, so you can hold it like a gun. And I take it you press a trigger and it starts to grind. Exactly. You're so, so much better at this audio. <laughs> and so it's like I've never done this. My question was what so you can put the your ungrinded cannabis yes, in, in anything like a mug or something or it's called you can take your bud. You, so you take, take your, your bud. Sorry. <laughs> and what you'll notice about this grinder is that there are actually a lot of small metal um 
spikes, which is part right. of the grinding. Yep. But it means that there's very little space to actually put your bud. Oh, you actually put the bud in there, and then you put right the top on, and then it grinds. Okay, and so then it's you all click it on. Yeah, got it. And then you turn it on. Cool. So that was the first one. All right. <laughs> then I'm like, oh, I need to get more because, you know, I'm a girl who likes to have things. So yeah. I yes. saw they had a Other bigger things. size, <laughs> and it was pink. <laughs> so this is a larger hair dryer, right? Yep. It obviously it, has a larger chamber, people, so you can put more bud. Most people are going to assume that that's a vibrator <laughs> or, or a or a, like a massager. That's what it, that's what it looks like, and especially since it's pink. It's like, what's going on? You know, All right. some guy was high one night, and he's like, yeah, a grinder. We're going to make this into a grinder. <laughs> Meanwhile, there are going to be poor teenagers across America saying, no, mom, it's not a vibrator. It's not. No, I use it to grind my weed. Oh, okay, great. That, that's fine. All right, so you'll see this one, the chamber is much larger, and there are fewer spikes in the middle, right, right. which allows you to put more in there. I see. Okay. And this is another battery. This is a 9-volt uh, battery operated. I will say this is nice, more, but it was like a little weak. Like, it would take a little bit of effort. It had to go back mm -hmm. and forth quite a few times, and I'm like, that's not great. But then... <laughs> They have a rechargeable one. Okay. <laughs> this one's also pink. Now I feel like we're on the Home Shopping Network. Maybe that's my <laughs> how new much, summer game. How much would you pay for a larger one? And that one has a transparent chamber, so you can actually see the bud grinding, In, right? Well, well, no, you can. Yeah, that's where it comes. You can, yeah, you can kind of see. You can, and all of them, it's the same. You can still see it. Oh, okay. I, I couldn't tell what the other one's okay. Anyway, so this one is much more powerful, and it's rechargeable, so... I don't know if they're just have every time you order it, you get a different one. I don't know, but <laughs> this is my favorite. <laughs> Did you sign up for the grinder of the month club? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I've reached out to them several times. I think I'm kidding. I like you, Mamba. I could sell a lot of these. Look, I could talk about it for like 10 minutes. So, all right, I guess we should go back to our guest. All right, Gina, what do you think of that? <laughs> well, I, I think that, you know, it's very true when you're saying like it, that regular grinders are kind of difficult for folks. Like in our medical program in PA, the packaging to open up a lot of the products is so difficult to get open and I get think beyond, about people yeah. with like if they have arthritis or if they have different problems with you, the use of their hands like it becomes extremely difficult to to open the packaging for a lot of things so I'm glad to see there's products on the market that are going to make it easier for folks to not only grind their cannabis but you know smoke it and have easier ways to to get into their product I mean I could we could literally I mean we only have a couple minutes left but I could I could go on for days about the packaging it makes me crazy not to mention it's difficult it's wasteful we're supposed oh, to be environmentally exactly. sound right. i know it comes again again it literally comes back to what you're doing so you are speaking in the ears of the people who are making these decisions and they treat cannabis like it's plutonium yes. it is not plutonium <laughs> so we can be a little less careful with the packaging you know i have friends in the business of packaging they say the way they figure out if it works is they put it in a room with little kids and with old people and usually the little kids learn how to bite it or open it somehow, and the old people can never do it. So it's just a very, it's a strange world. If it's medicine, we should be able to access it. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about you and your family, health, wellness, women, business. When you started in this, how did people feel? What was your relationship with cannabis before you? Was there like a moment? Was there like something that shaped this decision to go into cannabis with your family or with your health? 
Oh, well, I would say that, you know, I, I really didn't uh, participate in cannabis at all until I got to college and just in a fun kind of party way. But up until then, I had uh, suffered from childhood asthma. And so I always thought that, you know, you can't smoke anything, you know, stay away from it. So I kind of just never did. And then I was on all sorts of different kind of medication for my asthma. And then once I, again, not a doctor, this is just my personal, you know, story. But once I started using cannabis, my asthma went away. <laughs> And I wow. never stopped taking any of those medications. Everything just kind of, I felt so much better in my body and in my life. And, you know, I was, you know, in my early twenties and, you know, had to be really quiet about it. I wish that I could scream it from the rooftops, but it was so you, not. So you were one of those women who like had this moment of like, I think it works for me, but it's illegal. I don't understand what's exactly. going on, but and so I feel keep better. It quiet. No, I'm feeling better, but really hide it. I mean, hide it from everyone, hide it from my family, hide it from everyone. And then when the medical program got started, you know, I realized that this is the time for me to use my voice and to actually talk about how great I think that the plant was, because I knew that I felt that it was, but I really, I felt that it was time knowing that I could be kind of protected around this movement that was happening to legalize and yeah. hopefully use my myself as a voice. So I am a patient in the program myself. I feel comfortable with talking about it and advocating for it. You know, I wouldn't say that, you know, my community, Pittsburgh is kind of, it's liberal, but at the same time, it's kind of old school and backwards in the way it thinks in many cases. So I, when I first started coming out and talking about cannabis, they're like, you the weed lady now or something, you know, and call, like oh, things that my, I got my, called. My, my, my mother thinks I'm in a drug cartel. So, you know, we're fine. We're like, so yeah. So I, <laughs> I can't say that it was met with, you know, no resistance. And especially because I was launching this cannabis publication and having to go in and talk to all sorts of businesses that had nothing to do with cannabis. I mean, I had doors slapped, you know, closed in my face. I was told that I was a drug dealer. I was told I was all sorts of things. So, I mean, I'm like, I'm a marketing professional trying to educate and yet the things that I got told. So, I mean, it really was, you know. It took some time, but I really just feel that this is my passion that I, I, after we call them the, the mama bears in Pennsylvania, they were the mothers that had sick children and they fought for our medical program to pass. And if it yep. wasn't for them, we wouldn't have a medical program. And I just, you know, I was a new mom and I'm feeling all this emotion and I'm seeing what these moms had gone through with their children. I was like, this is, they're, they're driving out of state to get, you know, oils so that they can come back and help their children that have epilepsy and they're breaking the law to try to save their children. And I'm like, this is not right. And so like the activist in me got like all angsty. I'm like, you know what? If I can use my white privilege, big mouth voice, you know, that's been, you know, on the radio and doing events and promotions in my town for 20 years, like maybe this is what I can do to give back and to really like help others. So I immediately like jumped on this and was like, I'm not afraid. And if I'm, you know, if people look down to me or if people have things bad to say, that's okay, because that creates a conversation. If you're willing to come to me and tell me why you don't like it, I'm okay with that because I, we can agree to disagree, but I want you to at least understand why I'm so passionate about this and why we're fighting for the legalization so that more patients can have access to this medicine. Oh my God, we need you. Thank you, bossy girl. I... <laughs> <laughs> All right. We didn't even talk about your business, but you know, Elizabeth wasn't here. We get to talk about no. you. All right. So uh, we are actually out of time. Just tell me, um, what are you doing this year? What's coming up? Are you going to be speaking at events? Are you traveling? Are you going to be on the hill like what is going on how are you going to change the world yeah well I will say that I will start at home because I know this is the can mom show and I didn't mention that I do have a seven-year-old so okay. unlike Elizabeth where her children are all the way grown you know my daughter has seen that you know over the past 
three, four years that I've been in this, you know, industry, you know, she hears a lot of conference calls and hears me and sees me talk a lot about cannabis. And so I'm trying really, I'm definitely going to look up that book you mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. That sounds awesome, but just really trying to work on how having her understand and think of plants that could also be used as medicine and cannabis is one of those and kind of thinking about it from that basic form. So through that, you know, kind of keeping it with how can we start small in our own communities and then, you know, move towards statewide and then also national thoughts, you know, Elizabeth and I, you know, we produce the vine. We've had, you know, everyone from Montel Williams and, and Tommy Chong and Zappy Zappelin on our podcast, and we're trying to grow that, but it's not just about having celebrities. One of the big things that we wanted to do with our podcast is have, you know, policymakers, organizations, so Veterans Cannabis Project, Americans for Safe Access, different groups that we know are really doing the work so that we could ask the hard questions that other people are asking us. And so we really are trying to utilize the, the podcast as a way to you know talk about these difficult conversations in between the podcast which comes out every single week we're also writing constant content on our website on our blog and then you mentioned clubhouse which you cannot i mean this is like the best for cannabis and psychedelics because psychedelics is actually an interest listed on the app. So at any moment, you can find some really great conversations around plant medicines and psychedelics. But the cannabis industry, because of not having the big MJ BizCon last year and all these different conferences, if it wasn't for this app, I mean, people in the industry used it as a way to continue their business, to continue their networking, and to continue the education. But what Elizabeth and I talk about a lot is that the industry is really good at talking at each other. But what we have to do is talk to people outside of the industry. So what I really appreciated that you said is that you and the other moms are going to be going into other rooms on Clubhouse outside of cannabis, because that's what we really have to do. We have to quit just talking to one another and like-minded individuals and start putting the knowledge that we have out into the general public, whether they're canna-curious or they're anti-cannabis, we want to be able to at least have those conversations and let them know there were resources to help them ask those questions in a form that's not on a stage where everyone is just talking about, you know, how great their business is or, you know, one-upping each other in the space. So I love what you're doing. I'd say I don't. I love what you're doing. I'm like, I'm like, there's a network. We exist. We're going to do this. We yes. are going to do this. I've just been talking we about are. this over and over. Whatever. I, I agree what you say. I am running up on time. I just love that. We're going to meet in person someday. Someday we'll actually. Yes. Oh, there. I <laughs> would love that so much. And, you know, if there's anything that we can do at Plant Media Project to support you, we really love what you're doing. I'll be sure to pop in some of those mom rooms on clubhouse participate oh, thank you. Yes. in the conversation. So keep me in the loop about all of that. And, and I, I agree, you know, the conversation needs to expand beyond just our, our small intimate groups of like-minded people be open and honest that we are can moms and we are growing in numbers and we're becoming more confident and sharing, you know, our passion for this plant with others. Oh yes. That's going to be like a cabinet position soon. Thank you. <laughs> so if they want to get in touch with you, what's the best way? Yeah, you can find us at plantmediaproject.com. You can join our newsletter there. You can look for The Vine, a Plant Media Project podcast available on all podcast platforms. And you can find us on Clubhouse. You can follow me at Gina V underscore PMP. Excellent. All right. Thank you today. Thank you, Gina, for joining us. I'm sorry Elizabeth couldn't be with us, but muzzle tub on her graduation. And I just, here's the story, people. We talked about Republicans. We talked about the Naval Academy. We talked about cannabis. We talked about psychedelics. We've only been talking for 45 minutes, so <laughs> it's everything. All right, so thanks, Dave, for joining us again. Thank you, Dave. My pleasure. 
You're good welcome. Sport, and you are our Canamom social media team, Catherine and Hayden, who have been in overdrive for the past few weeks. And I want to thank them for their success with the quilt giveaway. I want to thank Josh Lampkin and Bella Jaffe for writing and performing the Canamom theme music. Josh is going to Nashville, people. Keep an eye out for him. He's got the blue guitar. <laughs> I want He's to the only you. one in Nashville with a blue guitar, so you'll see. He made his blue guitar, though. Uh, How many people made their blue cool. guitar? That's a good point. There aren't many Lampkin guitars out there, but maybe they're coming. <laughs> and I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to The Cannamon Show, where we are talking about caring for and giving voice to women in the emerging cannabis industry, one can of story at a time. Please follow The Cannamon Show on social media and subscribe anywhere you listen to your favorite podcast. I am your host, Joyce Gerber. This is the Cannamom Show, and we are a production of Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Hi, my name is Kira Reed. And I'd like to invite you to be inspired by the women who are leading in the cannabis industry. Each week, we will discuss empowerment, leadership, and what it means to be a woman in charge in marijuana, hemp, and CBD. As the founder of the Women Empowered in Cannabis community, I have had the great pleasure to get to know many brilliant and talented women who are CEOs, executives, politicians, advocates, and community leaders that are focused on creating a cannabis economy that is just, fair, and equal. We'll learn how these women make decisions, how they navigate a predominantly male industry, and what they're doing to level the playing field for women. I hope you'll join us.